Welcome back to the Endless Stream. As usual, I'm Aiden, and I am joined by Kevin and Brian. Each week, we take a selection of the endless stream of content brought to you through Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Spotify. Wherever there is streaming content to be had, we're going to watch a chunk of it and we're going to talk about it. This week, we're primarily talking about Sweet Tooth and Loki. The conversations we have are fairly spoiler heavy, so if you haven't watched these shows, maybe go off and have a look at them and come back to us. We talk about comic books, we talk about trailers, we talk about Brian's trip to London, so we, we, we wander all over the place this week a little bit, so it's a good fun episode. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast or giving us a follow over on Instagram or Twitter. All of our socials are at The Endless Cast. We do drawings and playback videos and clips of the show over there, so it's a little additional content for you there. All of that being said, let's jump into the episode. So the first thing I want to do starting the episode is I want to thank Cree Burroughs for joining us last week. She was a big hit. Um, I spoke to a number of people who have listened to it. They're just like, she's great. She brought a real positive uh, energy to it. And, you know, I have one mate who's like, I'm going to go buy some Buffy comics off the back of her uh, recommendation. So thanks very much, Cree. Thanks, Cree. And Ooh. welcome back, Brian. And Hello. Um, I'm back. To take all that positivity not... and bus buffy praise. It's gone now. I have returned with a gravelly voice. I love it's you, Brian. Very gravelly. I'm going to do this for the entire podcast. I probably won't do it for the entire right. podcast. That's all right. We'll see. Okay. Here. <clears throat> <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Joss Whedon and his association with Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> He goes to England for bloody one week and he comes back as Littlefinger. Kevin, are you implying I sound a bit like Aidan Gillen? A good friend, Aidan Gillen. <laughs> we run in the same circles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go on. I went to London and they kept asking me to say 33 and a third. <laughs> so I had to change my voice. Uh, that's that, that's kind of, that's awful. I, I've often been tattooing uh, American people and they would be like, oh, can you say like, 33 and a third and I, and I was just like yeah I can't say it Irish people can say whatever words too but Kevin you can't say it I can't say it but I can't say a lot of words it's fine yeah it's fine yeah yeah I, the thing is the thing is I can say them I just speak too fast to actually get them out coherently you're tongue-tied obstacle 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 carpartmentalize compartmentalize your your tongue is too tight you need to you need to get a bit of Crisp. a Gillen. protect you know embrace your oh. inner Gillen. nope nope <laughs> awful advice all right well where were we crisp the the builders next door despite being basically quiet for an hour have now that we've decided uh, to hit record started Beautiful. banging a hammer love it. or banging a shovel against a... i love that for us it's a good sound. It's, it's industrial Saturday. chic. Leave it's off, industrial chic. Brian always did like Ramsey. So Brian has been away for the last sort of little bit. Any any highlights? Anything you'd recommend to the listeners to do when they're in London? <laughs> uh, God, I mean, London's huge. This is my third time in London and I'm still seeing new stuff. And I've mostly been in one place, and I'm seeing new things in one place. It's insane. It it does have the population of Ireland doubled. It's bonkers. 
it's a large city, so plenty to see, plenty to do, and plenty to see again because it's large. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I've guess just said it much what's... better than I ever could. I think. Like that. <laughs> what What's one thing you've done that you recommend to people? One thing. Jeez, such a packed two weeks. What's one thing you've done? I've done so many things. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been on a pizza tour of London. I've tried... Uh, oh, that's exciting. Don't get the bottomless pizza. It's a scam. Um, so, hold on. Was that an actual organized event? Or did you just choose to go to as many pizza restaurants as you can go to? It was loosely organized, let's say. Okay. I went to a bottomless pizza thing before. Basically, I fucking hated it, right? Because the kitchen door, one side of the restaurant... We were sitting on the opposite side of the restaurant. Servers would come out of the kitchen with the pizzas, give them to everybody, and then come down to us and be like, oh, we only have one slice left. Or we only have... That's basically what like, it, it was just... It's a nightmare. It's... it's like, change your approach up. See that, like, the first time you gave it to these people. Go to the back and work your way over. And they just kept on giving it. The first table was getting everything that they wanted and multiple slices of it if they liked it. You know what I mean? It's just like bullshit. Sorry, bro. No, 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 you're, you're right. Scam. <laughs> was it was it multiple different pizza places? Well, only only one place did. Um, well, no, I mean I'm sure loads of places. Did. But but you did go to a, a number of different places different on places this pizza tour. On a pizza okay. tour of London, um, it was not. So what what I'm trying to get to is which was your favorite place? Do you know what? Like which was a place? <laughs> <laughs> you vague motherfucker. <laughs> Look, you acting like you hid the rebel plan somewhere, and I'm trying to find it. <laughs> Look, like we can get into. We, he really is all gone, little finger. We, we never tell anyone anything. We can get. We we, we can get into. <laughs> They'll use it against you. <laughs> we can get into this now if you want, but like by. Look, Neapolitan is the best pizza, right? And then there's 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 like a for for the non-cultured listeners, what's a Neapolitan? <laughs> uh, it. It's, it's, it's the Napoli style of pizza, Go fuck yourself. which is when most people picture like you know quintessential pizza, they're probably picturing a, you know, unless they're. Are you talking about margaritas? Are you just eating margaritas? Of course, I'm just fucking eating margaritas. I'm not a savage. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, you're. you're Why like... would you put a bunch of other shit on a pizza? It's fucking stupid. Uh, you're talking to the wrong guy, muchacho. So, Seafood. Anyway, my, my, I'm, I'm trying to impose structure. A Neapolitan is what? A Neapolitan. A mag- it, how do you make ne- a Neapolitan or something? Just means like from Naples, Napoli style. Okay. Okay. Right? Which, so it's it's the particular toppings wise. To, toppings wise, it can be any toppings. Like it can be it can be like you can you can you can throw anything on a pizza. Obviously, it's it's more sure. to do with the kind of the the type of the dough kind of chewiness and crispiness of the dough and then because you like your pizzas brian with just tomato sauce rocket and a sprinkle of cheese rocket yeah right now you know yeah he loves that stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) no so you like a neapolitan pizza neapolitan style pizza you can put any topic topping on a neapolitan style pizza that you would like you went to a number of different pizza restaurants which was your favorite this is what i'm saying is that anywhere that does a good Neapolitan pizza, it's then pretty hard to differentiate because there's like a bare standard 
where right, if you're making okay. it in this style, then it's just kind of going to be pretty good. And it's, you know, differentiating it, then, you, you know, you don't want to do too much because then uh, you're just overcomplicating shit, you know? So I would say that of, to be honest, they were all good, except the the Gordon Ramsay one, which was the one with the bottomless pizza. They're, they're kind of two base ones. They're like pepperoni pizza and their margarita pizza were the weakest of the pizzas that were on offer. His, mm, his from, from Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. His at, so was that his restaurant? No, it's it's just uh, he's got a couple of these places doing this bottomless pizza thing. I think it's called Street Pizza. Uh, went to the one in Camden, and the cheese on the margarita, and on the just on the margarita. Let's say this is just keep it simple. The cheese on the margarita was kind of orange instead of like white or kind of yellow. You know, mm. and it's like why mm-hmm. is the cheese orange, mate? This is supposed to be fior di latte. Mozzarella. It was cheddar cheese. And it was probably a bit of cheddar in there, I reckon. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was orange, and I was like, "Get that shit off my fucking Neapolitan pizza, motherfucker! If I want this shit, I'll go to." So Ramsey Street Pizza wasn't for you. Not for me. That was that was my least. It's probably easier to say what my least favorite one was than my favorite, and it would be Ramsey Street Pizza. Okay, so then to inject some of that Cree Burroughs positivity, which was one you liked. To be honest. Uh, there's one Franco Manca great uh, there is one apparently Julia Roberts goes to it in Eat Pray Love they've got a one or two in London went to the one on Baker Street uh, where they have a and Sherlock Holmes thing it's something along the lines of Pizza da Michel so like Pizza by Michel basically uh, cool. That was really good. Um, really quick service. The restaurant was bonkers. It was like it's like walking into a casino in Las Vegas in the eighties or something. But this, or like our, oh, our, our pizza came out before our drinks, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But you know, that was kind of funny. But the pizza was great. So, uh, Franco Manca Pizza da Michelle uh, went to a place in Hove yesterday called. Fatto Amano or something like that, meaning handmade. Uh, they had a great Neapolitan pizza, really good Negronis too. That was good. Um, you, you wait, which means, and in my head I went sincerely, what it obviously means fat man pizza. <laughs> Mano meaning hands, you swine. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, the, look, like I said, Neapolitan pizza, if they do it right, you can't go wrong. So if somewhere says sure. Neapolitan pizza, go to it. Don't fall for the bottomless pizza thing. It's a scam. Uh, that'd be my it is. thing, I guess. Best pizza ever, Harold's Cafe. They were pretty good. They're gone now, I think. They're long gone. And, uh, yeah, they're long gone. Harold's Cafe it was great. And they used to do this, like, four-cheese pizza with blue cheese, gorgonzola, brie, and ghost cheese or something, Kevin along with their, like, regular... Yeah, and Where then is used... Harold's <clears throat> Cafe? Harold's Just Cross. Just Harold's Cross. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and then uh, I used to get that pizza, but mix it with their seafood pizza. So I'd have anchovies, tuna, prawns, clams, mussels, octopus. And uh, it was great, though, because obviously quite a particular order, and I'd I'd order quite frequently. And by the time, say... Goat's cheese and octopus were on the same pizza, is what you're saying. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And sometimes double anchovies. Because, uh, but they'd send me, they'd send me, like really great pizzas because they were obviously just like well I, I ordered it a lot and they recognized obviously that I was ordering a lot so they used to give me like you know bits extra 
the only uh, only people who ever really cared about me. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah, What's I didn't that? catch you on the road. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about that pizza, though, is you never have to share it. Nobody is even remotely interested in it's like goat cheese and this is like saying if you poison your meals you never have to share them with anybody else like that's not the soundest logic to me no yeah debatable i did eat a lot of it by myself so i never share it's great how did you feel afterwards Um, be honest after the pizzas pretty freaking good only one time i got sad but there was don't lie to me don't lie to me i watched you I watched you make a sandwich that you fried in a frying pan in a wheel of cheese and then you put put anchovies in it and you ate half of it and you almost died. No, that was a packet of bacon. It was a bacon? That was a bacon, blue cheese, bread, loaf, loaf of, of bread, bread that I cut in half. That you cut yeah. in half. That you fried. Yeah. He he did he did this in my home by the way. He did <laughs> yeah, this in my home. He fried a wheel of blue cheese in my house. Yeah. Unacceptable. And then a packet of rashers. Yeah, and then I I was I was either too sick or something to finish it, but I finished it later or the next day. I can't remember. I just love. How did you feel afterwards? Mostly fine. Sometimes a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is, it would depend on how lonely I was because like you could be like. Long day, pretty, pretty, eating a big pizza, then you're pretty lonely, but you're eating alone again, and it's like a pizza you'll never share, maybe that's why you do it, because you have no one to share it, and even if you did, you wouldn't share, that's what you tell yourself, but really, it's just, you're just trying to protect your, your emotions, but um, yeah, then you just watch TV, and then maybe there's a happy couple doing something happy, and uh, it'll make me sad, and I'd be like, I'm just, just fat fucking eating this pizza again that no one wants, except for me. Sorry, I wasn't listening, what was that? I feel like we're glossing over the fact that you fried a wheel of blue cheese. <laughs> I did fight over. I, 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 I quite often would just buy cheese and and uh, in my steak. house. Yeah, in my house, in the place where I live. It's not the worst thing I've done in your house. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff on Netflix this week. They were doing the Geeked Week thing. There was loads of announcements. Um, trying to gloss over it. Well, move on from the. You're wheel still chucking the wheel of cheese. The smell, mm. Aiden. The smell the smell people shouldn't judge each other for eating cheese can't make you sick though i was just on a pizza tour of london so like there's no judgment yeah you don't have cheese in your pizzas you're a weirdo um brian doesn't like cheese in his pizza brian likes the dough and the powder slander i've seen you eat pizza (laughs) they were pathetic (laughs) lactose intolerant they were mostly red you've got a standard pizza we've got to move on from fucking pizza this is why I didn't want to say which one was my favourite because we would just be here too long. <laughs> Brian's, Brian's a margarita guy. Yes. Um, now, now I'm a vegan guy. But. I guess rather than getting into the Geeked Week stuff, which I didn't pay a huge amount of attention to because there was five days of announcements and lots of fucking stuff to wade through. Um, some of the highlights of the week, I guess, there was the trailer for Masters of the Universe which is show run by Kevin Smith for some reason. I don't grudge him the work as long as they don't start... He asked for it, I believe. As long as they don't start having clerk-style conversations about the bureaucracy that runs Castle Grayskull, I'll be fine. You know, just do a, do a He-Man show, you know? It's cool. To, I, I, I watched the trailer. I thought it was very cool. It's cool to see uh, 
it's kind of some of these characters again it's a little bit of a different take of course and i think animation wise itself but it's cool to see like kind of they diversified it a bit more and the music was awesome it's a good choice the song um my thought on it was this master of the universe property has been around a while and there's 40 the years herb, there's the urban legend that they were trying to make action figures for conan and then they saw conan and went we can't sell toys to kids off the back of this so they made Master of the Universe. I don't know if that's true. I've heard it a lot. But it that's the story like I remember hearing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's true because I had Terminator toys. Okay. That would have been later though. That would have been Terminator mm-hmm. 2. Terminator 2 is a much softer movie. than the It was Terminator movie. 2, yeah. Terminator but 2, I, I think, alien toys. Possibly... Yeah, I mean, for Conan, you're talking 1981 or 82 or something. And you're dealing with like a post-Star Wars thing where they just realize that they can market toys off the back of movies. In, in a oh, significant yeah. way Terminator 2 would have um, been 12s that rating didn't exist no 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 what wait. I mean is it would have been a 12s movie if that rating existed at the time today um, right. it, it was just a little too high for PG um, and it didn't necessarily warrant a kind of a 15s but probably would have been mm. yeah but I'm saying it's a lot so it's a it's, it's not a hard I mean there, there was Aliens toys as well you know after yeah. 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 but that that was alien 90s toys, onwards so. conan would have been yeah early 80s so well i think the aliens toys would have come after the aliens comics the aliens video yeah. games and they they sort of crept into yeah. you know consciousness at that point um i mean i remember the fucking rambo cartoons and i was like this is about a i mean you know a veteran with ptsd tearing up a small american town like rambo went so sideways but i guess the point that i was going to make there was there's about a I think it was a remake of He-Man in about 2007, He-Man. 2010, somewhere there. Hmm? I just said He-Man. Ah, um, <laughs> they they made another version of the show, um, and that was that was fun. I quite liked that, but it wasn't as accurate to what this looks like in the 80s thing. This looks like they took the 80s He-Man, turned it up to 11, and are trying to give us what we remember that yeah, show as because you remember yeah. that show as being a big action thing but it's really like the same walk cycle animated flipped three or four it's times the same toy advert killed 10 yeah it's, it's a lot a lot a lot of reuse animation and it's really really hard to go back and look at any of it so it looks like they have taken that show turned it up to 11 and they're giving us the show we remember in our heads which is cool, but that will have been the third iteration of He-Man as like a high-intensity sort of action-style kids show. So are, if they now they do just, a sort of Thundercats Go type are thing, are they just trying to sell goofy? this to us? Or like, are we the are we the audience here? Yes, because God. in the in the trailer they're like forty years, blah blah blah. So like they are, we are the demographic. That's depressing. Master of the Universe, pretty sexy cartoon. Yeah pretty sexy it's probably like the like the least clothes i've ever seen in any show that seems right it is very not much clothes going on not at all orco orco orso no orco the little fella was it orso don't know i don't know my my older brother is a massive he-man fan and still kind of collects the, the different like stuff that comes out now and all that kind of thing, you know. So he's he's I think he's pretty excited for the show because the show comes out like in a week or two. But um, yeah, I, I kind of a part of me is just kind of like it, it's funny kind of how to go, go with it because are they going to be? It's going to be a little bit meta in the sense of like kind of it knows it's taking the 
like is it going to be kind of like like self-aware or like it knows it's a little bit kind of it's based on something kind of campy and where like over the top very that's 80s. the impression is i get like, like that the, you know even it's gonna take safe seriously yeah, you know like down to the choice of songs Song. used which was good but mm. may, i think it yeah. kind of sets a tone that this knows what it is and knows kind of how silly potentially that you know the concept is but how fun how much fun it can also be as well at the same time like um, yeah it could be like, like i said yeah it could be it could be good fun yeah. you know because uh, like i think yeah so they had the original cartoon in the 40s right or the 40s uh in the 80s right there was definitely you know that what aiden just said there that this this will be the third or has has there been three iterations of it or that this will be the third iteration there was definitely one anyway somewhere in the middle like in the 90s probably i'm assuming we're thinking of the same version and i'd imagine it was a late 90s maybe early 2000s kind of thing yeah there's there's one that was far more spacey and or space oriented yeah. yeah you've just been pretty much walking around london eating pizza kind of i mean i've been doing other things too you know like but no but like that's that's fine brian i don't judge you i had i had other dinners too you're with a fellow foodie here, you know. I'm not talking about fucking carbonara and running running out and getting some parmigiano. I'm talking about pizza with cheese and fish. You know what I'm saying? I do, unfortunately. Yes. I wish I didn't, but I do. <laughs> we should probably get back on to... I mean... Aiden might be disappointed. Aiden be disappointed if he, pizza again. <laughs> he comes back and he learns that we're we're still talking about pizza. Uh, yeah. Master of None. Master of None. I've not seen the latest season. I, how many seasons of it now? Three or this four? This is season three. Yeah, I've seen season one and two. Yeah. Then I thought season one was yeah. brilliant. I liked season two, two, two also, uh, but season one was certainly yeah. stronger. Master of None, season three, focuses on Denise. Um, Aziz and I think it's Lena Waithe who plays Denise they wrote every episode together and Aziz directed it and the kind of subtitle of the season is Moments it's either Moments of Love or Moments in Love it's one or the other and it's kind of five episodes the first episode is an hour long um and the rest of them are a bit shorter, but it's kind of like five episodes that are a little snapshot of moments of a, a relationship. Um, that's good. Okay. Um, I quite liked it. I've only watched the four episodes of the five so far, so I've still yet to watch the last one, but it's enjoy I'm enjoying it. And it's if you're a fan of the previous two seasons, it's it's made in much the same style. It's, it's got mm. very similar. It's got the same kind Beats. of vibe and kind of yeah. mood. Um, it's in 4-3 ratio for some reason. Don't know why. And I believe it is shot in London, but it's London to pass as New York, I believe. And it's... There's a movie with Chloe Mortinez. I think that's her name, Martinez. Is that her name? Kick-ass? Chloe Moritz Grace, is it? Moritz? Oh, but that la- that yeah. lady. So basically, um, there's a movie with her called Greta, and I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's based in Lon- it's based in New York, right. but it's shot in Dublin. Oh, God. 
man, I've watched the whole thing and I didn't, I didn't realize it at all. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I didn't realize it at all. I was watching. So like, fair is fair. Yeah. You know, you're like, you know, yeah. it's it's it's, belie- it's more believable to make like uh, London, New York, than uh, uh, New Dublin, the, New York. The couple that it focuses on, there, I, I, I'm assuming now it's supposed to be upstate New York, right? But from like the opening mm-hmm. shot, it's like, ah, oh, that's England. Like they're they're living on a farm basically, and it's so okay. clearly not. Yeah, America. it's so clearly England. And yeah. then uh, Denise's partner, I think the character's name is Gloria, is played by a British actress anyway. So I was okay. just like, Gloria, G L O R I A. Um, yes, it's a good song. But. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I, I guess, I guess they've relocated to to England, and kind of, it's kind of playing out this way, and it's just, it's just the two of them for most of the episode, and then uh, Ansari's character Dev shows up, kind of about three quarters of the way through, and he kind of mentions that you know they say, oh, you know, we know it's a long drive to get out here. I was like, I assume they mean the airport, and not New York City, yeah. because they're clearly yeah, yeah. not in. In New, they're not in New this York is not State anymore New York yeah. at all. And then there's yeah. a later episode, <clears throat> and it's just focusing on the character, and she is trying to get pregnant, and it's just it's mostly her in her apartment or her in um, in like a, a hospital, a room in a hospital somewhere, you know. And it's like this is clearly London and not New York, even down to the fact that okay. like the, one of the people working at the hospital. They, it was kind of clever. They they cast somebody with a like a kind of a Jamaican or a West Indies accent to hide the fact that mm-hmm. she probably has a they're British accent that they're not American. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's like from that point on in the episode, you know, I was just like trying to clock every single shot that was like giving away that this isn't this isn't America. Yeah, watch 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 Greta. It's on Netflix. That's I think bonkers. I believe it's on Netflix now. And uh, I wish I didn't say it to you. Uh, I would you have noticed? You probably would have noticed. You're, to be fair, you're far more uh, you're far more reserved than I would be. But uh, I hadn't got a fucking clue. I think Emer at one stage was just kind of like one part of it looked really familiar to her. But I like, kind of I think she said that after the fact. I'll have maybe, to check I don't that know. But, um, That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing, man, shot in shot in a. Uh, Oh, maybe actually Emer didn't know because like I was saying how it was shot in Dublin actually some of it was shot in Powers Court and she worked in Powers Court before, yeah. you know, but it's just it's hilarious that uh yeah. It's like you would I, I didn't know. It's mentally and I think I think they use like some some shots from Canada and different things like that, like from a train station in Canada and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part yep. it's it was kind of shot on location in, in Dublin and Wicklow and stuff. Nuts. Absolutely bizarre. I haven't watched the last episode yet. They've never kind of definitively said that they're like where they're supposed to be set, but uh, it's just you know I could be wrong. Maybe maybe they, they mentioned it kind of at some point and I missed it. But they should have gotten Brad Pitt in as one of the doctors or nurses, and he can talk to whoever in yeah, accents. In Micho Black. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't outrageously. <laughs> Uh, an outrageously terrible idea not, at all. Not at all. To- totally not fine. at all. Oh my god! If you haven't it's seen like... Micho Black, you have to watch it just to see him. I mean, everybody's probably seen it by now, where he gets hit. Well, I didn't. I didn't see it till last oh, year. Really? So. That, yeah, I I saw that because my sisters wanted to watch it. Like, you know, we were renting. Renting. Yes. Yeah. 
might have even still been VHS, I'm not sure. But uh, like probably got to pick one and they picked one and then we were watching that. And I was like, not in the mood to watch it. I think it probably changed my mind a little bit because Claire Forlani is in it and she's gorgeous. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe I can watch this. And Andy Hopkins and Brad Pitt would normally be in like action or more action orientated movies. Yeah, or Remains of the Day. You know, it's one or the other. <laughs> but anyway, yes. I was watching it kind of going, oh, I don't want to watch this. And then he gets absolutely demolished. Uh, so like the, I'm, I'm assuming people have seen this or know the premise, but that they, yeah. it's it's a romantic film. Um, Claire Forlani and Brad Pitt, and they've got the typical mute cute uh, at the start where the two characters like bump into each other and they're talking and they're like oh you know they're so nice together and they're falling in love and then they go their separate ways and they turn back to look each other look at each other and he turns back to look at her while he's crossing the street and he gets absolutely destroyed Nailed. by two cars yeah. in different directions yeah. and i was like it like I said, I, I was I was only watching because Claire Forlani was there, and I was like, I don't want to watch this film. And then that happened. I was like, What is this film? Is this yeah. was that funny or shocking or I don't know what that was supposed <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah. Um, Meet Joe Black. Yeah. We we've gone from yeah. Master of None to Meet Joe Black somehow. I'm, I'm not even sure how we got there. Um, um, Jamaican Master accents. Master being based. Yes. yes. Uh, I was saying Master of None. Uh, Aiden, as far as I can tell, is shot in London for New York. Oh, weird. Uh, so see if you can spot that. And then Kev had an interesting fact about a film called Greta, but we won't say where the film was shot. You should just watch it and see if you can figure out where it was shot, uh, unless you've already seen or heard. I haven't seen it, no. But yeah, before you edit the podcast, you should watch Greta tonight. I believe it's on Netflix. Um, and it's wild. Okay, what, what what's the genre? Thriller. Sorry about the interruption, folks. No, have you? You're fine. Am I am I completely killing a conversation here about Master of None, or is is good, or we keep going or move on? Brad Pitt, terrible accent in Meet Joe Black was also the point we we're going to say, which but it's it's worth checking out. It's it's so tone deaf, it's awful. I I have seen I have seen that scene where because it's. It's like in context, it's supposed to be surprising that this man speaks the patois specifically to the old lady. But if yeah. you take that scene out of contact context and you see him talk to the old lady, and then you see her granddaughter look at this white guy, yeah. But like some white bullshit. It's just I just think it's funny. Like in in any scenario, like you know, I'd rather I'd rather like obviously he probably didn't want to do, but like speak a different language yeah it's just it's just it's just it's just a bad idea there are white people from jamaica who speak with a bad accent you know what i mean but it's like it's just a weird thing to stick in a let movie. them do it <laughs> yeah well it, it's it's the miracle on 34th street moment where santa can speak every language you know uh they just could have chosen german <laughs> just do that but that's it that's it. You're, you're all probably ignoring the fact that he he worked really hard with his dialect coach and he just wanted everybody to know how hard he worked. And that's probably something you guys are leaving out of the, the equation here. You know. Also on Netflix then is the Bo Burnham special Inside. Did you watch that, Kevin? I know I... I, I did not, it to you. but feel free to talk about it. Um, it's great if you want to have an existential crisis. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> 
as of Thursday night, which has just passed, I have transitioned to that stage in my life where I am somewhat, for the most part, content. Oh, well, we can fix that. Watch Bo Burnham inside. Yeah, I was going to say, existential crisis, not ideal, not ideal. You can't be that content if you're not bulletproof against, you know, existential dread. It's a good way to test how content you are. I said pretty content. Yeah, but sometimes, like, I do that whole thing of, like, oh, that made me sad. Mm, It's gone. I forget about it. I never watched much of Bo Burnham because I think at the time I was kind of, like, I was in that category. I had Tim Minchin and Bill Bailey to a degree. And it was like, these guys are doing a really great job at this. This is a teenager on YouTube. I don't entirely need to pay attention. I did watch two years ago, I guess, when I was making that film. Like, I just plowing through YouTube content. I found uh, Tough Crowd and The Green Room. And I watched a load of that. So I did see this interview with him, you know, 10 years ago with Marin on it and Ray Romano and a bunch of people. And was like, oh, this guy's... 20 but he's actually kind of sharp and like my 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 prejudice against youth um was was held up like i i thought he was very i thought he was pretty funny and it kind of changed my mind on him but i did not go and watch any more of his content i watched inside i really enjoyed it i think it's it's um, amazing it's pretty pretty damn good and like i'm seeing people go oh he's, he's having a breakdown live in this in making this special and it's like well you know he he watched the take and decided whether or not to do it again so like yeah. i don't doubt that he felt these emotions and went through this thoughts and processed his take on the world but you know we are watching a constructed piece of yep. media and like that's a concept that he's played with in the past as well where you know he do, he does something and makes it look like it's a, an accident but it's part of the show you know yeah yeah it's your shtick but uh, yeah events breakdowns are hard uh, going through essentially rehearsed material and uh, you know performing it and then potentially doing takes or edits like yeah you really possibly couldn't do that if you're experiencing like a a mental breakdown I'd imagine like yeah. you know but there's, your there's, brain literally wouldn't be thinking about there's that. a moment in it where you're watching a recording of him talking about his I don't know contemplating suicide and like he prefaces it with he has no intention at all of killing himself because he understands X Y and Z and he goes through this whole like thought process and analysis of what's involved in that. And then it kind of pulls out and you're seeing that projected onto a version of him that's clearly six months later, you know, because it's hair and beard growth. And when we are talking about the constructed nature of this, I don't know this for a fact, but I would like to think that's a moment where he was quite low and he thought, I recorded this. Now is the time to watch this back and shoot this because this is the emotional state I need to remind myself of this and it will feed well into the... I, th- I think a lot of it is special. real, and it's a decision to show it as well, is the thing. Yeah. Is that, like, to show, you know, despite <clears throat> despite whatever successes or despite how engaged you might be in your work or creating or whatever, you're still going to have these, you know, troughs, valleys, whatever you want to call them, where, mm-hmm. you know, you're burned out, essentially, because everybody's kind of experiencing that at the moment, where they're... Not they're, me. They're burned out completely, you know, and it doesn't matter. Content. <laughs> Not Kev, because Kev's bulletproof to this sort of thing. Well, he ate a wheel of cheese. He's good, you know. I, I just keep almost, rolling. Almost content. Um, I can, I could watch it and, and ruin it for myself, but yeah. No, I, I think I, I, I don't think it will do that because 
as much as we're talking about the emotional state in which he made the thing or the the issues that he's trying to put on show for us to be i don't know vulnerable and real even if it's artifice in some ways um the songs are funny you know this is the thing there are these interludes where you go jesus christ that's depressing and then he sings welcome to the internet and you're like that's really sharp and really well written and the sexting song is hilarious um, jeffrey bezos <laughs> jeffrey bezos white woman instagram okay i'll check it out it sounds the, good the, it sounds good. the song like there is this undercurrent of the exhaustion that like he's been trying to be famous or tr- he has been trying to create things on the internet for an audience since he was 16 you know mm. and that's ex- that's got to be fucking exhausting yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. he's showing us the the toll it's taking on him and you know it's a performance and it's you know he's probably better than he comes across in the thing but it's tr- it feels true it definitely mm. even if it's even if it's not true it touches a lot of truth in people yeah people definitely identify with it definitely let me see how old is bull Burnham? he turns 30 he's turning 30 watch him turn turn 30 while you watch it yeah he, he films oh, the wow, moment okay. and then sings a song about it um brilliant it, it's it's pretty good Fair but you see that's, that's cool the thing kind of how was he turning 31 when he did that we only have his word on this yeah it's fucking artifice yeah. art is a lie right but it's interesting that uh you know, essentially, he started in his bedroom making these ridiculous little videos to make a Netflix Netflix special. Essentially, not in his bedroom, but or whatever it is. I haven't watched it, but mm-hmm. but you know, back in a confined space or like you know, I was trying to figure out actually what, what room. Look, I think the the name of his production company maybe gives it away at the end, but I think it's possibly an attic in his house. It's a very okay. weird shaped room. So it's long okay. and almost like a tunnel. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, it's an attic. Yeah. You know, there's a there's people are just all over this thing, so they're pulling up interviews where, like, that green room interview where he just goes, like, I have all of these thoughts, but I know for a fact that nobody wants to hear a twenty year old tell you how the world works. And then one of the songs, and this is called "How the World Works," and he's turning thirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's a lovely little parallel. It's also brilliantly um, dark with the sock puppet. It's very funny. Oh, so dark. Yeah, it starts so child friendly, yeah. and then. Um. Yeah, the this is this has sold me on the kid. Yeah, the kid. He's the turned thirty. Kid. This is this has sold me on him. Yeah, I was kind of in a similar similar situation to you in where I'd just seen clips of you know a song here and there that people shared and I liked and I just never made a point to kind of going out to to watch it. And I think just even in the last couple of months, I just saw interviews that kind of changed my idea of him and then he's in uh promising young woman also he's quite good in that so i was kind of primed to watch this um and i I enjoyed it quite a bit i had no idea he was so tall it's ridiculous he's like six four or six five or something it's like he did not look tall but he's tall it's just so there you go he's tall (laughs) now you know that I knew that he had sort of moved into, like, he had written that film Eighth Grade. And it had been very well received. What's the Jonah Hill one? Late 90s? I can't remember. Olivia Wilde, Jonah Hill, and Bo Burnham all kind of had these kind of written, directed things at the same time. And I I found it hard to keep track of what was what. Yeah. That was Booksmart for Olivia Wilde. Booksmart was Olivia Wilde, which 
when I actually watched it, it was quite different from the other two. But I think Jonah Hill's and Bo Burnham's one is are maybe kind of similar. He mentioned in the show that he was having panic attacks trying to be funny, you know, like he just was having anxiety and panic issues doing the show. So he kind of withdrew from the stand up or the live performance into things that put him into film. So given that, it's like, I'd love the idea that like he puts this on Netflix and never performs those live. I'd love that. You know, <laughs> that, That'd be a nice little like. Mm. Um, it is what it is. Like it keeps it there. Keep it there well, in that one place. Yeah, because I was like, I was trying to sort of put myself in the mindset of that guy and like because he talks about the songs that he looks back on having written when he was 17 going i don't think this anymore and imagine think imagine i'm sure this is just a thing with musicians you write a song when you're in a certain point in life but when it's a comedy song you're taking big swing as at themes and topics especially that young and it's like i've got a huge audience that loves this but now i'm 25 and they want me to play this song that i don't fucking believe anymore you know it's like blink 182 you know it's like their songs where only like there's bands like Big One but I always think it's like their songs kind of acceptable coming from a group of early twenties singing a song about like, you know, you know, what's the name again or whatever it is, like, you know, but it's just kind of like they can't sing their songs as convincingly nowadays as other bands can. You know? Uh, I mean I think uh, historically like like Sweet Sixteen and Jailbait and it's like these are songs that were like when you were seventeen and you wrote them it's fine even if it is a little fucking wobbly but when you're fifty two and singing a song about the sixteen year old you're attracted to like, yeah yeah cannot <laughs> cannot work yeah it's like uh, but like I think that must be tough for like Sabo and different things like that like especially like you know um, doing these bits writing songs putting stuff online creating content blah blah blah. And then, like, kind of, like, fast forward and say, like, 10 years and, like, you know, your opinion's different and things like that, like, but people can still hold you to that point. And it's just, like, I no, I'm a completely different person now. Probably even atomically. It's not even one of the songs, but when he's doing the sort of brand bit, like, it's a, it's a bit long and I got kind of distracted in it, but, like, there's no... Where he's talking about brands associating themselves with... um civil rights and, and charity and, and environmental issues it's like the question is no longer do you want a bagel bite it's will you support bagel bite in its fight against racism that's really true yeah such a good observation um anyway i enjoyed it check it out maybe get an old napoleon pizza and check it out get yourself a napoleon pizza, <laughs> napoleon pizza. check it out yeah <laughs> 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 JFK's favorite ice cream was the Napoleon, I think. Strawberry, chocolate, and vanilla. Um, there's. I guess I wanted to move us on to what are we on? We talked about Massey Universe. Um, you're buying a bunch of comics, Kev. Yep. What have you been buying? Um, I have been buying. Um, I'll be honest with you. I do it for the thrill. I do it for the trills um i i had a customer the other day as i was working away bidding on comic books for me bidding on comic books yeah you hand them the phone ebay's there yeah they were bidding on a comic book for me and i won it i like i like to believe we did it together i couldn't have done without him but um yeah we did it together so what was the comic book um it was I think it was 
Jesus Christ! It's 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 just the it's just the adrenaline you're after. You don't even remember the book yeah, anymore. Pretty you, you much, got your, yeah, you got yeah. Your endorphin I'm, rush, and yeah. you're on to the next thing. I'm broke, uh, but uh, it was it was it was Moon Knight. It was a Moon Knight book, um, but yeah, like you know, it's fun. It's fast. I get a thrill from it. Um, people drink coffee. I buy comics online and I go into debt. But um, my girlfriend's still here, so whatever. She's over it. Okay. Um, so what I was trying to get at was, you know, what's the comic? Let's get a little review of it. What would you recommend it? Not, not the emotional state. That's oh god. Oh, I don't, re- I don't read them. I don't, I, I don't read them, Aiden. Uh, these are these are minor key issues that are pretty valueless. But God, God no. I, I, I put them in a plastic bag. Uh, and then put them in a stack of other books that I've wasted money on. <laughs> okay, what's the um? What was what, 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 what was the book you won? Um, it was it was it was a complete run of Moon Knight's Fist of Kashnu. Uh and I got I got it at a very 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 reasonable price. Let me tell you, probably probably if only somebody could tell me what that storyline was about, that'd be maybe interesting. The Fist of Koshnu thing. I I, yeah. I I think you can probably and maybe recommend it to me or Google it. Google it. It's, you okay. know, I'll do that. <clears throat> yeah. Why talk um, about it uh, on a recording where the three of us are together for an hour or two? I'll just, what What I'll year just, was the run? I'll just wiki it. Was it the um, Was it the eighties run? It was the eighties, eighty eighty to eighty five, I think. What's the cost? What's Fist of Kashnu? Maybe Konshu, no, Fist right? of Kashnu. was was later than that, I think. Actually, to be honest, the complete run of Fist of Kanchu on the Marvel Unlimited app. You can check that out now. Aiden, are you telling uh, me that Kev one. could have just gotten all these on an app, but he, like an idiot, spent money on physical copies? What a chump! What a sucker! Uh, Moon Knight nineteen eighty covered did I do by that? Bill Sinkovich, writer Doug Munch. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to read the first issue now. Uh, Describe it to me. Um, well, it's it's you know it's it's the 80s. I um, explain the printing process. I what like... are the colors like? Or is it three three color? What is it? The colors are beautiful. It's the classic sort of four colors before you got into sort of digital art in the 90s. And I like, especially in the app here, it's clearly the original colors they haven't recolored it um, because lately they started remastering stuff and i hate that I, it's hate just it. i everything gets shiny everything hate gets highlights it. and speculars and all of this art was designed for a four color yeah, print hate it and it's hate i it. bought the rocketeer collected because i'd never read the rocketeer and then i opened the fucking thing because it was wrapped in plastic and saw that it was completely recolored there you go. Was never like, open the things you buy wrapped in plastic just preserve yeah. them forever put them away like kev does just Sink the money mm. into them and mm. then put them away. Banish it from your mind. Yeah. And I like your next I purchase. like my comics. I like my comics to have like yellowish pages. Yeah, that newsprint that's sort of feeling the brown, time. brown, yellowish Possibly so- soiled, soiled because I get them cheaper. Nice. And it, you know, it, it fulfills your your kind of fetish. <clears throat> we won't get into that. So yeah, the the entire run is there on Marvel Unlimited. Bill Sinkovich covers. He loves the Golden Age um, comics. Yeah, They're lovely. Um, Bill, the Bill's covers are awesome. Honestly, like so many of them. Nobody left. I, Doesn't matter. What did you say? I said he loves those Golden Age comics, but it's a euphemism. Yeah, I got it. Nobody <laughs> got it. 
<laughs> I, I tried to get past the sort of golden shower thing. Golden shower? Who said golden shower? That's disgusting. Hayden. No king shaming, but that's disgusting. Let's move on. Yeah. Well, well, you can't say no king shaping followed by that's disgusting. I, just I think that's did. Okay. I just did it. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? What's going on here? What is happening? This is all because Kevin wouldn't read a comic and tell us about it. <laughs> so, so I, I, yeah, I got the, um, I got the, the fist of stop fist reading of off your phone can, 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 and look at me you. and tell me uh, what it's about. But uh, maybe it hasn't arrived yet. Maybe it hasn't arrived yet, so I haven't seen it. It's arrived. It's arrived. I, mean, I thought um, that this was a surefire topic for Kevin because he's been sending us pictures for the last week and a half of all the comic books he's been buying, and I'm like, this is great. The podcast has reignited a love of comic books. <laughs> I've had some of those books for years. Cool. Okay, so you've been revisiting your comic books. You've got I, comic, my comic book collection. There's some Daredevil stuff there. There's some Moonlight stuff. These are two Lots of your favorite of characters, yeah? Yeah, Daredevil and Moonlight will be up there for sure. Um, and then I have a little bit of an old Black Bolt in there. If you have, have, have like the Odd Avengers issue, but nothing too special. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So what is it? Oh, what like, is it about Moon Knight as a character you like? Because this is a character that's getting adapted into its own can I, Marvel can I, show. Can, I, Oscar can Isaac. I take a swing here? Yeah, I'm going to say it's because he loves Batman, but he hates DC, and he just wants he just wants to like Batman, but he he can't love DC, and it's that simple. Am I right, Kev? <laughs> Brian's right. He's probably right. I'm yeah. not. I'm. 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 Um, I. I. Why do I like Moon Knight? Um, I think I think just uh, at the time when when I was like kind of getting really into comic books and all kinds of stuff, much younger, and I would be perusing the World Wide Web when it was a much more fun kind of place. Bo Burnham wrote a song, you about know, that. before social media. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah, it was. But like, honestly, I was talking about that recently to somebody, and it was like it the, the, going online was kind of like, I'm going to set aside some time to go online and look up this thing and enjoy it. And it was productive. And now stay, it's so stay on target. mindless. I, like, yeah, and I kind of, I hope no one ever looks at my phone because they'll, they'll think I'm insane with the stuff I look up sometimes. But then again, it's important. Stay on target. Um, look at me. Get your eyes off your phone and look at me. Pixie haircuts. Pixie haircuts. We were looking at them the other day. Stay on um, target. What is it about Moon Knight that you like as a character? I was going to say, I think when it came around to find the Moon Knight and reading about him and stuff, I thought it was very, very, like, you know, just his, the dynamic between the battles between his superhero alias and then his other aliases. But basically, um, David Finch was a really, really, really favorite artist of mine years ago. And he did the relaunch of Moon Knight in 2006, I think, with Charlie Houston or Heston. What's well, not Heston. What's his name? Um, we can find uh, out because that run is also available here on... We're There's not an in any way endorsed no way. by this app. There's an app for it. Um, I don't so have So it's the that 2006 app. era? Yeah. Um, Frank Darmada as the colorer, uh, writer Charlie Huston, or Houston, depending on how you want to pronounce yes. that. David Finch, penciling. Yeah, so basically that book, really. Like, even though kind of I'd read uh, some of his more vintage stuff uh, in collected form, like, you know, collected books, whatever, over the years, um, that book in 2006 was, was epic. Uh I, I pretty much have it all collected and stuff, but it's a really, really, really great book. 
Um, but it's been it's been a while now since I read it, and then I read a uh, Declan Shadby stuff more recently and things like that. Like, but yeah, Moon Knight, Moon Knight and Daredevil. It's just like I think I think really just Moon Knight came along and it's like who is this guy? And I was just really fucking. I was like probably like ten or eleven years old. I don't know how old I was, but I was just like he looks different. I've never seen him before. I've never heard about him before. Who is he? And I read about. Him. Now that's a, that's a great point that I guess we could touch on. I'm not sure if you've even if you've read any of this stuff, Brian. Moon Knight. Mm, I I read the. I read one or two issues of the Warren Ellis run with uh, Shalvey, um, but not the full run. Yeah. Before that, to be honest, I wasn't too familiar with the character. So yeah, still not I completely identify with that idea of like he's a little obscure as a character. He clearly has Batman vibes initially when they were trying to sort of make this character. You know, like he's he's got a sort of parallel thing, and comics are full of that. Um, I do think at one stage they were pushing that harder as a bit of a joke. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, but, but comic, away from that. comics are full of these sort of like parallel characters that never quite land. Like Hyperion is a kind of Superman thing, so is Sentry, and they never quite turn into they suck. to anything. But Moon Knight's had a couple of swings. Let's just say that right here. They suck. In the same way that... Um, like Gladiator, though. In the same way that Miller's Ultimates with Brian Hitch established what the Marvel Cinematic Universe looked like. Can we say, or am I wrong in suggesting that Declan Shalvey and Warren Ellis's run on Moon Knight presented a version of this character that suddenly could be filmed? Or they, yeah, they could picture it in this world? I think so, yeah. yeah. Like, the idea of him as Mr. White, or whatever they call him, the guy in the white suit with the white car, just kind of tooling around in a very sort of businessman fashion. Did that ever happen in any of the older books? I never read it, so I'm asking you as the authority here. So, so like, I thought, like, what did, what did I call him? Is it Mr. Knight or something it is? Okay. I can't remember what they call him. But, uh, his real name's Spectre, is it? Mark Spectre is his real name. And, but, like, kind of, like, he has, like, different aliases. Like, say, essentially, like, Mark Spectre was who he was. Then he got uh, resurrected, I think, by Koshnu. And uh, also, Moon Knight's origin is really, really, really hard to kind of actually pinpoint. Some of it's canon, some of it's not. Because he originally appeared in like Werewolf by Night issue 33 or something, where he was working for an organization, Hunting Monsters or something. And then people kind of liked him. So when they kind of reached, I think it was Marvel Spotlight 28, kind of came back and he was actually... Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Kevin. I think that's the interesting thing that Ellis did with it was that there's no kind of firm... um, origin for the character so i'm going to mix it and make that part of it in that in that you know which part of it is psychosis and which part of it is actually a thing that you know it's it's quite clever i thought that when i was reading about it because when i was trying to get into the character and kind of learn about it i was like i i can't follow this at all but warren's take was let's lump it all in and let's essentially you know use that confusion and write a story based around that which i thought was kind of yeah They definitely, they definitely made him like much more kind of like uh, unbalanced in recent years, you know. Um, That's because, always like, been I my know. problem with him is the the density of his backstory. I don't know what's canon, what's to be bought into, what's attached to the current one. So I'm hoping that clear out Shelby did is gonna or Ellis. I, I I'm I'm an art focused guy, so I always remember the artist's name more than the, the thing. But um, I'm hoping that that clarifies a lot of stuff going forward I guess it's a little bit of a reset what would you like to see in the film Kev 
other than it being a good film like what what would you like to see oh it's a film or tv series oh it's a tv series, series actually yeah yeah well i mean it's gonna like the whole pitch behind these series was that it would be you know a comparable budget we'll see if that's the case by the time they get through the the first one of these these shows yeah. but yeah what would you like to see other than it being like just a good show um uh, yeah, kind of like I, I, I'd like them to kind of fully realize, like, kind of like if he ends up just wearing the white suit in terms of the three-piece suit, I'd be like, oh, a little bit disappointed. I'd like to kind of just like make them embrace all the tropes that, because uh, like Moon Knight is kind of basically like one of those characters that like it's like you know the way kind of in Watchmen, Night Owl was kind of a pastiche of Batman because of like X, Y, and Z and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's like I think like Moon Knight's one of those like kind of. He he embraces all those tropes and comic books and comic book characters and stuff, and they kind of just like go hell for leather with it. You know that kind of way is like they fully just embrace it, and it is what it is with his back, his moon copter and moon uh, stars and all that kind of stuff. You know, but uh, that 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 Declan Shavi one, I reckon that's what it's going to go to. It's like I think it's 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 like uh, it's not too big a storyline to to kind of execute on TV. It's, you know, it's character-wise and all that kind of stuff. It's not like, it's not as if it needs like a huge ensemble, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's very episodic. There's there's no, there's not a real, there's not a huge arc for the character in those six issues. And like, it is six issues. Like the, the comic went on afterwards, but that Ellis run is six. So for anybody listening, it's a really easy pick up and read um, stuff. There's six little standalone books. One of them is very much like the raid. One of them is like an LSD tr- or a magic mushroom sort of trip. Um he's got horror vibes i can see them tying it into the sort of blade doctor strange end of things it's just how much do they embrace the sort of horror aspect of the marvel cinematic universe going forward um like ghost rider is still in the ether you know like there's a guy in the agents of shield show and i didn't watch a hell of a lot of a lot of the agents of shield show but i watched the ghost rider stuff and they did a great job with him like he looked awesome i would watch more of that they 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 nailed well to my to my mind they nailed it you know um have we covered moon knight uh, i'm isaac i'm as excited for moon knight as i would be daredevil it's just frustrating that the bloody two characters i fucking love are getting tv shows as opposed to big movies not that not that the that the because i do the, think the, there's the lots TV of rumors shows are brilliant. going around for a while that they're building towards uh i can't remember what the midnight, midnight sun. sun kind of thing yeah yeah. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that does happen. I think. I think potentially those characters, because they're not derivative, but they're they're kind of quite similar to a lot of other things out there, and that a way to make them kind of fresh and interesting is to actually put them in a movie together. Because I, I like. I think one of the most interesting things I heard about a Daredevil movie was to like set it in the 70s. I think it was um, Joe Carnahan, I think possibly. He put like that. That's how you make that character interesting. Like, Yeah, he, he did a he did a, a concept mood board video. I, I love the idea of Daredevil, but I every time I try to picture what I'd like to see in my head of a Daredevil film, I don't know what I'd want because... I don't really know how you build a film out of it. He's a great character on the panel because he looks yeah. interesting, like the kind of red, well, the, especially the, in the older kind of print versions. It looks cool, but I think a way to make it interesting would be to pair him up with, you know, 
Blade and Ghost Rider and stuff like that. Um, there's still rumors. There's a very era specific thing to Daredevil though around the sort of like culture of Hell's Kitchen, you know, and I don't think that's there anymore. Yeah, eighties, eighties, seventies, eighties. Yeah, the the culture of Hell's Kitchen and the. The, the sort of vigilante movies as well that he had in the 70s and 80s, you know? And, like, his roots have always been kind of, like, he's he's a lawyer that's taking justice into his own hands. But he's also just, he's not a ninja. He's, he's His dad was a boxer, and he gets beat up just as much as... So, like, I think when people think about him in a movie, you kind of think about the Batman route. But the truth is, he's always been better as... A blind dude who he takes his he takes his frustrations out with what he can't achieve, you know, through the law. And then it, it's it's this that that's the most interesting thing about him is is the struggle within himself between you know like wanting to do things the right way and then you know just going out and feeding his his demons his ego. But I don't know that that's. I think the way to do it would be to do a Joker style movie. Do a period, do it that way. You know, don't make him a superhero. Make him. It can still be an action movie. It can still be all these great things, but don't try and make him um, Batman. Yeah, do it. Do it in the style. Do it in the style of Joker. Like that'd be a fucking. That'd be a win. Yeah, more low that'd key. Be a win, an easy win, I think. There's still a rumor kind of persisting that Charlie Cox is going to be in No Way Home, but. Will it just be a nod to the shows or is it with the intention to remind people that he's out there and he's going to show up soon in something else, you know? Will it just be a little fan service or will it be setting something up? And that's even if it's true at all, but people are insisting that it's it's happening. Yeah, I get really worried about the multiverse and timeline stuff that the Marvel stuff is really leaning towards now, especially as we're going to talk about Loki. I, I, I like the idea that they've they've already kind of referred to it as a, a multiverse war. I think mm-hmm. that's an interesting take, that it's not that just that there's all these multiple versions, but that there's a reason why they all had to converge because because of this war. As they've, I think that I think that, that that's something that stood out to me from Loki. I don't know if we want to move on to that now, but that that, no, that stood out yeah. to me straight away was that the fact that they referred to there being a multiverse war, like a war between these that, separate realities. That's a lovely idea. Um, I, I so that puts a thought in my head, which which we can get into as we start to talk about Loki. I just wanted to, I guess, I was thinking about this during the week and the the. Anxiety, or the way I become attached from comics like X Men and like, like Marvel in general, is when we start introducing time travel. When we start introducing alternate dimensions, there's a there's an arc in the book at one point where Tony Stark is dead, and they bring back somebody goes back in time and fetches a teenage version of him. So you've got a you like a Wonderkind Iron Man knocking around who's like eighteen, and it just gets really fucking messy with continuity, especially over 30 years with a bunch of different writers taking different swings at it. And it's just like, this is going to get really weird and we're going to fucking lose people. And it's going to like, it's going to kill the momentum of the MCU. I think the problem with that has always been that they've tried to insist that there's a reason and they, these things are all still connected. 
and that's when it becomes convoluted. I, I think I think the way to do it is that you can tell these separate stories that aren't connected. You can have these different versions of the same characters and that they don't connect. And I think that's kind of what they're doing here is that, yeah, look, these are all the characters you know and love, but they're not actually in the same continuity because to try insist that they're the same and, you know, to try when, when somebody says, Hey, but this doesn't make sense over here rather than saying, Oh, well, it's because a wizard did it in, you know, three issues ago. And it actually makes sense Just say, actually, no, no, it's, it's a separate version. It's, it's not the, it's not the, the story you've been following. It's this different parallel thing that's separate. So it's familiar enough for you to kind of know because you've been keeping track. But I think, I think it becomes messy when you insist that this is the same thing and it actually all makes sense because of this fucking bonkers convoluted logic. That's when it get really starts to strain under its own weight. But if you just say, no, they're actually different, it's this and, and, and this. And that's a lovely way of describing yeah. it, like straining under its own weight. The th- conclusion I came to, or at least the, the place of hope I landed on there, was that it wasn't going to end up being eight different titles with 12 issues a year. That it's There is, to a degree, a guiding hand and there's two, three films, maybe a series. Like the 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 number of content elements that they're putting out is manageable. Does that make sense? And they're not doing when they were writing that shit in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, they were making that shit up as they went along. Now they have the benefit of hindsight and they can look at what worked and what didn't work and they can streamline and move forward. And we've talked about before how the majority of people going to MCU movies aren't reading comics. So they don't care if it's a slightly bastardized version of, you know, 10% of the continuity that's actually out there, as long as it's clear, coherent, and entertaining. Yeah, and like the, the movies, you know, ultimately are, are kind of a different thing anyways. But uh, yeah, I hope, they, I hope they do streamline them and it just doesn't get too convoluted. Because, uh, like, you know, I don't really care. And like, sometimes even like watching some of the Marvel stuff, it's like, wait like the movies like who has the stone where did the stone come from i can't remember for, for a while they didn't you know. know that stuff themselves and there was a bit of confusion because they weren't quite ready to do anything with thanos because they they didn't really know how it wasn't really until guardians that they kind of figured out where he was going to fit or how he might fit or how that might look um yeah because up until then they they really didn't know but like in terms of continuity and things now like this is going to bring us on to it we always give the spoiler warning at the start of the show we're going to talk about Loki go watch Loki um, we're dealing with three Lokis existing in continuity now so there's the one that we saw that meets his end in Endgame there's the one now that's the variant and then there's the mm-hmm. one in the hood so that mm-hmm. that's the three. one that died is gone though sure so it's kind of two who died? Loki when Thanos, when Thanos, yeah, okay, well, but, but I, I kind of, I don't think we're really dealing with that version. I think that one's, that I, one's I, I would agree with you up until yeah. somebody decides to go back in time and starts talking to Loki Prime, because now we've got a lot of time traveling going on. I would have thought that Loki picking up the Tesseract, uh, and then being like, tra- or teleporting wherever, and then the, the TVA catching up to him. Uh, I essentially, like, because he was in that room looking at himself and what potentially is going to happen to him in the future of his timeline, you know, the way the Watchers have it kind of planned out for him. And um, kind of, I, I'd imagine that's like, that's basically the same Loki. So as far as I'm concerned watching it, okay, if there's multiple dimensions and there's multiverses, then of course other Lokis exist, fair enough. But the way I'm watching it is 
the the Loki that we're focused on uh, is essentially the protagonist, and he's the one who who's ultimately killed by Thanos, and then he's gonna. But, but at the moment, he's been kind of everything's on pause. He's been taken by the TVA, and they want him to to get this sort of variant or this other kind of like rogue Loki, you know. But I think there's only two Lokis. There's the one that we see that dies in the future, which is a guy who's looking for a rogue variant. But I'd be very surprised if they if the TVA put him back where they picked him up. You know, and, and then he goes on to do Ragnarok and die in Endgame. They'll they'll mind swipe him. They'll do a you know But, but then on why would Cap and Tony go back to the sixties? Or seventies? Well all that stuff has to happen. See, this is yeah. Let's let's drop it. There's no point talking about this 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 end of stuff. Let's just talk about the show. You can, but yeah. But what I would just say is like kind of with the show is like kind of have fun with it. There's a blip. We'll just say that like we were when we were watching movies as they're coming out, we were unaware there's a blip in the timeline. And of course, the TV show Loki's going to fix the blip and return back to normal and accept his fate and maybe they kind of like wipe his brain or something. But all I'm saying is basically like kind of. In order for Loki to have died, he would have had to been successful in the TV show. So therefore, don't worry, don't don't stress but it. You see what I and Brian's being very quiet, and I'm going to just make this his theory, even though he never said it. But what Brian alluded to there is the concept that what we're seeing here is the beginning of divergence in timelines that leads to a new multiverse war, that leads to your multiverse of madness, which leads to having to pull all of your multiverses together, which leads to your X Men and your your Charlie Cox Daredevils coalescing into a t- prime timeline again it I, I don't know that that's the way they're going to do it but everybody's looking for how are they getting the x-men into this world at this point how are they getting the fantastic four into this world we've established that there was a multiverse war previously if it goes a bit wobbly we introduce a whole load of variation we've got spider-man no way home as well seems to be introducing different dimensional stuff um i can see it like does it become an avengers level end of phase conflict like end of phase five is the Avengers seven, the multiverse. I, I think what we're going to see. Crisis. My guess is some sort of crisis on Infinite Earths. My guess is multiverse of madness is a civil war scale film. In that it's going to have, it's going to bring together a couple of separate things, but Kang is going to be the the kind of Thanos level. Oh yeah, I believe. So, Multiverse of Madness, the Doctor Strange movie is going to be, like I said, it's going to set up the end game level thing in the same way Civil War set up Infinity War, in the same way that it was bigger. I, I, I still think of Civil War as Avengers three and not actually Captain America three because it is an Avengers movie. It's just it just focuses very much on on Cap, I think. But I think I think in the same way that Captain America: Civil War was Avengers three, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness is going to be that. Kang is clearly you know going to be the next thing, I believe. Um, I think I think in terms of Steve and Tony, like Loki stealing the Tesseract and that being you know branching off it's kind of like it the the timeline is a stream you can go backwards and forwards you you, you, you have a lot of flexibility in terms of what can happen and endless stream name the podcast drink (laughs) 
but certain things then diverge and it's it's the things that diverge it's the new rivers it's the new kind of flows that go off that they gotta snip so yeah you know loki can steal the tesseract forcing cap and iron man to go back that's permitted to happen but it's the loki having free reign is the is the branch so he is supposed to steal it but he's not supposed to do anything beyond that that's where they've got to snip him uh, the hooded figure is the hooded figure is reincarnated loki after thanos kills him that's fair i'm just guessing but like you know norse mythology reincarnation is the thing like the ragnarok is a big thing but everybody comes back after ragnarok um thanos kills loki loki is reincarnated as the norse mythology allows and he comes back as this hooded probably lady loki i believe that's my guess do you think it'll be the end of tom hiddleston then in the mcu not at all he loves that part he's in great shape (laughs) Yeah, he does. He's in great shape. He does. He he likes that part. But we have seen Marvel kind of clearing the house of these bigger contracts. Though I don't know that Loki's getting huge bank compared to what RDJ was on. Michael Downey. He's definitely not. But he's he definitely enjoys <laughs> doing the character. I imagine. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say uh, what Brian said is interesting. Albeit one of them, one of the things he said was wrong. Civil War is a Captain America movie. You have the first Avenger with the I know it's in the title, War. it's still an Avengers movie, and you can't tell me otherwise. It's a Captain America movie, don't be ridiculous. Making Captain America... There's the... more Avengers in Civil War than there is in the first Avengers That's movie. wrong. There's making, making, making Captain America the best superhero trilogy, better than Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight stuff. Sure. No disagreement, but it's still an Avengers movie. <laughs> no, it, it can't can be, be an Avengers movie then. It can be both. Of course it can't be both. So just just as we've 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 solidly entered Loki conversation. Does, does Loki set up the TVA? Does Loki arrive at the end of all things because the other Loki's been connect collecting these little, you know, reset bombs or whatever they are, and then we see Loki at the end of time and out of the goodness he goes, My God, like without this thing here there needs to be a TVA and Loki sets up the TVA and he becomes the greatest power in the universe and it's no longer a show. He no longer needs to, you know, bully and show strength to, to project strength, to hide his weakness. He actually becomes the person at the end of time responsible for setting it up. Loki's, Loki is very, very important in Norse mythology and Ragnarok and Norse mythology is very cyclical. And it would be kind of a cool nod to Norse mythology to have Loki be at the end of time and actually set up the TVA to protect. And it'll be a loop, essentially, but much in the same way that Norse mythology is cyclical. And it'd be a nice, it'd be a nice thing for the character for him to... Norse mythology is bonkers, by the way. It'll give you a headache if you, if you dive into it. <laughs> Loki's his own mother. He's also a wolf. It's crazy. He's not his own mother, but it's, it's that kind of bonkers stuff. I think that would be fun. Arc, the, the, way they've, the way they've established that, you know, he's had this realization or he's, he's had this confession where I don't like hurting people. It's a, it's a projection of strength to hide weakness. And he's been chasing power 
all the time and to then realize that the power he's been chasing is pales in comparison to where he is and you know the fact that he's a trickster and the fact that the, you know the very his very first kind of impression of the tv is like this is all bullshit this is all for show the dmv this is a trick this is yeah so it'd be funny then like if the god of mischief actually does set up this silly bureaucracy to actually protect oh, interesting. He, he, call, he calls it a trick from the very beginning and he sets up the trick himself. he sets it up himself he's just like hang on this is exactly the type of shit i'd do mm. and he is the actual yeah. you know central kind of the architect power. of the yeah exactly the, the yeah. i think that'd be a, That's a fun direction to if they don't do that then they're stupid because that is a solid gold idea i just want to just do a little reset and bring us back. Sure. Um, the first episode of Loki aired. Let's so for anyone that hasn't episode. watched, for 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 anyone that hasn't watched it, um, we pick up Loki at the end of the first Avengers movie when he has stolen the Tesseract as part of the sort of like Infinity War cycle. He disappears into the desert and is picked up by a. Uh, bureaucratic authority that's designed to manage the timeline and prevent multiverse or variant uh, occurrences. He is processed and Owen Wilson's uh, what would you call him? Case agent Agent character? Agent Mobius uh, sees the opportunity of using this particular variant of Loki to help them catch a fugitive that is evading them and killing their teams. They just need to convince him to work on their side or see the error of his ways and through the episode they show him the life that he would lead he comes to terms with what that means and sees his own weakness and kind of resigns to do better and then is presented with the idea that the person that he's trying to hunt down is actually himself a different version of Loki, a different variant the assumption watching the show is that it's another past variant but that's just our linear minds or my linear mind, Brian clearly went it's a future variant um, it's the resurrection of the twenty, uh, the Endgame Loki. So I think that's a full sort of recap for anybody that hasn't um, seen the show. And I think it's a like there's not a huge amount of spoiler territory in there, um, but we do give lots of spoiler warnings. And now either uh, go back ten minutes and listen to our conversation. <laughs> it's a cycle <laughs> with a little bit of context for it. It's a cycle, the cycle of Ragnar talk. Or go to the Loki TV show and watch the animation. That explains how the whole time thing works. Great little animation. With uh, Tara but, Strong um, as Miss Miss Minutes, which is, uh, she was the voice of Harley Quinn and uh, one of the Powerpuff Girls and, and of other uh, Hello Kitty in the 90s. What's the story with Powerpuff Girls? Are they actually Let's making the live action that. TV show or is it cancelled? <laughs> uh, is it cancelled? That, that pilot got did not get picked up. There was suggestion that they were shooting a, a, a retool, given another swing at it. Yeah. Loki. Loki, though. Very, very good. What did you make of the, like, like, there's no magic here moment? You know, he can't use his magic, and then he looks out at the, the society out from that window on that balcony. Like, I maybe I'm just inured to visual effects and futuristic cityscapes and stuff like that, but, like, I wasn't, like, I wasn't blown away by what I was seeing, and I was, I was kind of like, is he blown away by this like he's been to nowhere and and never delir and like he knows intergalactic spaces why is he looking at that going you said there was no magic here does that did that world look particularly magical 
I think it's just the scale of it. And I think yeah. maybe the scale doesn't come across as well on the TV, but the, the scale of well, it is yeah. certainly bigger than anything we've seen in the movies. And sure, yeah, he's been to other places, but I think the idea is that there's maybe a bit of magic in anything that we've seen so far, whether it's nowhere or any any location you want to pick or Asgard or something. But this is this is all based on... Well, this is all based on what? On technology existing outside of time. Yeah, Loki also, though, at this point, hasn't seen, outside of Asgard, and I, I, although Asgard has aspects of it that seem really futuristic and stuff, um, it also has that like medieval mysticism kind of stuff thrown in there as well. But like, and then he's been to Midgard, which is Earth or whatever. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of like, that probably was the most advanced race or technology he has potentially seen. I know he was involved in the aliens coming to Earth and all that kind of stuff, but like. They were on like flying hovercrafts. He's he's probably seen things flying before, but just in terms of architecture and whatever, that was probably a pretty. Even though I know Asgard is pretty fancy looking, but yeah, maybe it was just a whole future futuristic city thing that he's never seen before. Again, I I, I think I think it's the fact that it was on TV screen. You reckon? I think it's just the fact that it was on a TV screen. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't sell, sell scale. scale the same way. Because I just I guess I didn't. I didn't quite see why he would be impressed by that because we've seen Guardians of the Galaxy we've seen people flying around in ships in societies we've seen Kandahar is Kandahar? no yeah but that's in Xandar? that's in the quantum realm is that what you're talking about? no I'm talking about the like the place where the Nova Corps were and like we've seen space-based societies we've seen the Kree we've seen but again yeah, I, I don't think the scale came across I, I think I think there's a bit of a um, what would you say I think I, 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 I think there's a few kind of like impossible kind of structures hidden in the background of those things that don't really there's, there's a sense that there's this convergence of kind of separate planes and that they're almost mirroring each other and that it's a sort of a it's not just the density of it but it's that there's a sort of an impossible geometry happening in there is the impression i got it, it's it's a sort of like um like an infinite hallway when you kind of put a you know a camera against a mirror there's a sense of that kind of thing happening and it's like how could something so complex and dense exist without some form of magic was the sense i got from it Go back and look again. That that when I saw it, I immediately thought of like, you know, that that infinite hallway, like, like the I Escher said. stuff. Yeah, something similar to Escher, you know. Um, okay, I didn't quite read that. It, I guess I didn't. That was my impression it. because yeah. it that would make more it, sense. It, it if seemed I saw to me that, that there's like a kind of a top and bottom, and they're converging on a vanishing point, and that there's things kind of emerging and entering, or yeah, that kind of space. And it's like, how does that make sense if magic doesn't exist here? Anybody unfamiliar with uh, the artist MC Escher, famous rapper back in the nineties? Check his stuff out. Yep, famous for his uh, non-Euclidean geometry. Big fans of that here. Very interesting flows. Very interesting flow. Yeah. Ahead of his time. And behind his time. I I also thought though when Eddie, you were saying like. Uh, Loki sees his future, how it plays out, and he can do better. I think he kind of meant as in, like, 
I, well, the way I perceived it, maybe it's just the way you phrased that, but I didn't understand. But it's kind of like the way I perceived it, I was like, Loki got real freaking angry, and he was just like, you know what, fuck that, and then I'm gonna. I'm gonna make I'm gonna destroy these people so I don't think he's like in a good place other than like I have to right my wrongs I think he's just like I'm not gonna bow to anybody and I will like you know whatever happens there ain't happening but but like Brian's got an interesting point around like looking at the things we're being shown are used like I didn't look at the reset bomb and the idea that this Loki is grabbing these things before they can be used and that you know there are dead gods and there's dead Asgard and you know what what does it mean to i don't know let's find out how do you think of these things brian to be in your brain to be in your brain for one second fascinating i'd probably go i'd probably go insane if you were to look into his brain you'd probably see a lot of non-euclidean geometry lots of that he's got a big old wrinkly brain my brain is pretty smooth I feel I can feel my brain like rub off the back of my head sometimes. It's like a slight soft, past hard brain, like a pebble. Yes, yes, yes. Smooth. So we'll keep hard. watching. We'll keep watching Loki. Um, I it, it's good. I, I enjoyed seeing Owen Wilson as well. I thought it was a little um, long on the recap stuff. Um, I knew it was going to have some of that, but I felt like they spent a little bit longer there. But uh, Wilson's fun. Uh, I like how, how many episodes? Six. Sorry, I, oh, that's not too. That's too little. And we wasted one of them just explaining Loki's backstory. <laughs> don't you know what I mean? I like the idea, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm kind of right or wrong in this, but I get a I get a kind of a detective vibe, where they're like going to be going to crime yeah. scenes and stuff. And then I heard that. Um, the time wire <laughs> I heard the or did your wrinkly brain the no, I, 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 I heard the I heard the creator of the show say that they referenced three kind of serial killer shows and they, they said the best three serial killer movies so straight away I was like well you know Zodiac and Seven and then the third one clearly being Silence of the Lambs and that's exactly what they're referring to uh, they said Zodiac, Silence of the Lambs God, and so Seven are a bit, of, bit of an influence on it so much so that they apparently there's a needle drop in episode 2 which is a direct reference to Seven so I'll be kind of interested to see that but I, I like that, that, that potentially it'll have a bit of a Zodiac Seven vibe to it in in Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, the the guy in the hood's going to be Kevin Spacey, right? We don't we don't say his name around here. We don't say his name in these parts. You can just cut that bit out. But anyway, uh, I like that that you know straight away when they were in like uh, the fifteen hundreds in France, I was like, is this a is this a you know murder mystery show? And apparently it is. So I was like, "That's cool. I'm I'm down for that." Yeah, the the <laughs> bit where he's um like just just seeing a guy in a suit with like detectives around him, just sort of crouched down over a body. Yeah. yeah. Um. Still warm. <laughs> I have to say, after like say I haven't watched One Division, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then episode one of this, I I would say episode one of this, pretty pretty good. Like. In terms of 
potential it's a lot of fun i i think this is a much yeah i think this is a much better idea of what it is and how it's going to go about it i think it's going to be more consistent in nailing its intentions than the other two shows it's got a necessity to really figure out a structure because it's playing with timelines yep. and where people are in them and how they're relating to each and other. And they got the they right guy for the job. Nail that down. He's a writer on Rick and Morty, so like, okay, that's a mm. good, that's a good bet in terms of, you know, every time they opened a portal, I was just kind of laughing to myself because. So yeah, the the guy who created this show, he was a writer on Rick and Morty, and he's also written the latest draft of Multiverse of Madness. So this show and Multiverse oh. of Madness are very, very closely connected. Okay. I was going to say I have a grape or gripe or something, but then I say grape, and then I start thinking Stay about with grapes. grapes. And you Stay can grape. you can you can grapes, but you do you ever have the candy floss grapes? No. They're like they're grapes you can buy in a supermarket that literally tastes like candy floss. Candy floss. I've had them. Like they're you can get them super value or wherever. We're not sponsored by super value, but super value. We're interested in sponsoring us. I take, I'll it. take some That's a lovely segue grapes. onto we watched the end of Sweet Tooth. Um, Brian, did you watch Sweet Tooth? I have not yet. Okay. Well, we no, I mean it. I I listened in last week, so I've look look. Don't spoil, don't spoil something like Seven for me. Don't spoil, you know, Fight Club for me. I didn't mean to pick two David Fincher movies there. Don't spoil that kind of thing. Everything else, spoilers don't really, spoilers don't have an adverse. Yeah, don't don't spoil Endgame, you know, when it's, you know, the, the culmination of 22 films. But everything else, spoilers don't actually have that much of a a negative effect on your experience i believe so talk away i thought to db cooper it was unfortunate it was a bit of a gag as opposed yeah, to a big story element that was a shame. sorry now yeah, sweet back now sweet tooth, sweet tooth. <laughs> that that, that is a good sweet, point sweet. That, it, it, because it became such a footnote in the show despite being such a kind of key part of the marketing um mm-hmm. I, you know i kind of glossed over it there because it didn't be what i wanted it's it to worth, be, but, worth mentioning though like, because it's it was made it's out to be quite. A, yeah, it was made out to be kind of a big thing. DB Cooper is such a fun story. Um, it turns out they were just having fun with the idea that, hey, what if this thing is, you know, is just uh, exactly really nice idea. I liked it. It's just a that, shame that that that's, being that's said, all it is. Like we do see him in, well, we see him in a suit in the marketing as well. That ragged up one as well. So yeah. you know, maybe he ends up. Maybe it becomes. Something, it, it could. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm looking forward to seeing where this show goes for Showa. Yeah. And maybe next episode I'll get some candy floss grapes and uh, get yourself some stews, people. A wheel of blue cheese on it. And I can't eat blue cheese. Octopus or some uh, or some blue blue bubble gum. I'm gonna yeah. Kablooey. Oh yeah, b- b- kablooey. Yeah. So last week we Sweet covered tooth. Sweet Tooth through episode one and two. Um, I watched the rest of the series. I really enjoyed it. Um, Me too. I I like everything it did really. I I think one of the one or two of the hybrids start to look a bit silly. I would have preferred if they stayed a little more like Gus. Um because they introduce um I mean it's not a spoiler at all Brian. Barry or Billy or uh, Bobby? The, Bobby one of the one of the like maybe the third or fourth hybrid you actually meet is essentially a gopher on its hind legs. Like it's 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 a CG 
creature, I guess it it or maybe if there's a degree of um, uh, practical effect in there, but it's odd and kind of limited, and it's like this is a this is a lot of I don't know. It, he becomes he does serve a point in the show. It's it's just he's a weird it's a weird choice to have something this extreme in this show. You're making your life harder is basically where I well I think, but but I think. I know they do it in the show and stuff, but I think there is a kind of, it serves a plot point to a degree in terms of like, even like, you know, obviously people feel like it's humans versus the ver- the, the hybrids, it's us against them. However, even within the hybrid, uh, there also, there's also divisions in terms of ones that look more human and ones that look less human. Obviously the ones that look less human are capable of more animal things. The people who look more human are capable of less animal things. And then you probably have the middle ones, which is like the kind of, they have the human elements and they have the animal elements. That's kind of the best of both worlds to a degree. I mean, I think that's really my only note on the show. Like not that they need my notes or stepping away from it. Like, because one of the things I said, they do though. That's what that's what test screenings are. Yeah, email it to them because you miss. Uh, you, you yeah, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Email it to the maiden. Tell them that you're uncomfortable with that grotesque baby animal thing, that that it repulsed you, to your core. That you despised it. The very notion that an animal could be sentient disturbed you, and you're angry. Just 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 send them a light, a, a gentle reminder. Okay, yeah, I will. It's just Michael Denny Stay Jr. Positive. at gmail.com, right? <laughs> Don't forget Susan. That was a mistake. It was Susan and Michael. <laughs> Is there a Susan Downing Jr.? Yeah, she's His the wife. producer. She produced the show. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't know people's names. I don't need to know people's partners' names. I don't even know my own partner's name. I do. Well... <laughs> don't put you on the spot write we're friends we're friends we're all, we're all good here she's actually not even in my can phone can you spell head. it yeah spell it nah obviously I'm not going to spell it for legal reasons legality reasons safety reasons how many E's before you get to the M This is a real softball. This is a real. That was a real easy one there. Two, two. What? Before. Before you get to the M. Oh, I. I honestly, she's in my phone as her, her name, and I had to. It, it, it's her sister's name afterwards, so it's like it'd be like say Brian, you know, Aiden's brother, that kind of thing. Um. Oh, it's one. It's one E before yes. the M. God you damn to look it! it up, so yeah, it <laughs> yeah, we're three years together. <laughs> yeah, she's literally in my phone as Eber Simes' sister. That's because uh, that's how I met her. <laughs> that's that's the clip of the week. Um, <laughs> Don't do um, it every time. Sweet Tooth is very good. I enjoyed it yes. immensely. It's set up nicely for the next season. The villain looks like Doctor Robotnik. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He does. I. Th- it's a. It's a good example I keep coming back to because we keep talking about budgets and, and the the perceived value of the production design that we're seeing on screen. And they're, they're doing a great job compared to a Jupiter's Legacy. 
which which is again they did the problem with Jupiter's legacy is I just think they just reached too fucking far mm-hmm. or they set their heights mm-hmm. set their sights too far there's great stuff in the show I don't mean to uh, on it. ever since I found out that the actress that played Chloe liked my drawing of her on Instagram I really want to walk all that back and just go it's an amazing show um, I, but I would say I would say like kind of obviously actors and stuff get on board with these things and they read the script and like they or they, they may have read the source material and all kind of stuff uh, you could be excited for it how it's going to be actually visualized and come together like, I think it's so risky I, to, I was surprised for, like, say, actors last too. week Jason Duhamel pretty sure his name's Jason uh, Jason, yes. Jason Duhamel. Uh, no, he, yes. he posted a photo uh, shirtless, but like wearing his beard and wig. Um, just like, you know, being disappointed that the show was cancelled and then saying something to the effect like, you know, Hulu, you up? What are you doing? Or something like that. And it's like, does, does he not yes. know how this deal is structured? Like, Netflix own miller's properties does he know who owns hulu i just felt bad because i was like yeah does he not know i think it's a i think it's a fun way to you know i'm sure he knows i think it's just a fun way to engage with the fan base that actually enjoyed the show brian he's beautiful not stupid i think it's a fun way to engage with the the fan base and if he can rile them up enough we've seen what can happen yeah but in terms of shows getting revived hulu Hulu can't pick the show up. I know, I know. Like, but it, it's not—it's not about that. It's just about making the fans react. Yeah, I, I get—I get what you're that, saying. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying. This is not like if, that. If suddenly, it, this is a... not like he who shall not be named situation where they're they're lobbying. I know, I know. Yeah. He, but what he's hoping, I'm I'm putting my thoughts into Josh's mind here. Um, you can do that. Like, Good God! If you, yeah, if you do you that, should be on the show. <laughs> If you You're do like a that brainwave or from something, a I haven't watched the show. I have no idea what I'm talking about here. Does brainwave do that? Can he do that? I don't know. Yes, brainwave. If if you come at it that from dude a looked like the you know how school. the deal is structured. Clearly a villain, though. I watched minutes. I'm sorry, <laughs> I watched minutes of that show, and I was like, he's the bad guy. <laughs> Clearly, I love the both of you. <laughs> he is the bad guy. In, if you want to start again, whenever you are ready, I'm ready to jump right over what you're saying. Uh, three, two, one, go. And, uh, you take your time. If you watch his actions, I didn't. Position of like assuming, <laughs> assuming that Josh is uh, informed around the structure of the deal, you know he can be engaging with the fan base. I feel like he's not though. That's my point. <laughs> That that uh, he could be listening. That ditzy country boy beefcake just wanted to get more of his TV show made, and he's just crying out into the wind, hoping somebody will hear him. What I'm saying is, he's bracking up the wrong. And tree. it can't be Hulu because, as ditzy as he is, he has no idea about how the the contract was structured. You know, I never said that. I know, but I like, I don't blame anybody. Like I don't blame any actor for being like, here's my chunk of that superhero money. Fucking yes, this could lead on to x y and z and be really pumped and then you have jupiter's legacy which to no fault of theirs i think obviously like the script had issues different things had issues why they just didn't stick to the bloody book i don't know but it's just like i kind of feel sorry for him i feel sorry for him it's a bad move to bad mouth your employer basically is what i'm saying because that's what it boils down to 
I don't think anybody is going to be offended by it. Next, Netflix is like kind of, it's kind of like um, Netflix is a robot that doesn't have feelings and just option stuff constantly. Aiden, stop. Uh, the Sweet Tooth was good. Sweet Tooth was good. Modoc. Modoc. I didn't get a chance to watch that this week. Okay. I don't think there's, there's right. too much point getting into Modoc if we haven't all watched it. I think it's like it's not a, it's not like a Loki where we're going to watch episode on episode on episode. Um I think well and discuss it here on the podcast. I think maybe we can watch a bunch of them and come back and see how we feel about it at the end of season 1 or two. Okay, two yeah, episodes fair. in. Um, yeah, because I'd love to so watch a load of it, get a little bit, you know, you know like what I'm a, saying? Get a, get a you like to little... watch an endless stream of content, is that it? Name the show, take a shot. Uh, take a shot, what? everyone. Take a shot. I watched the movie Infinite. Um, How was that? We have talked about that a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, it was frustratingly good in places and infuriatingly bad overall you know like there's clearly a shit ton of money gone into it there's the opening there's an opening car chase with like a ferrari tooling around mexico city in like the mid 80s it looks great but then the next time you have a car chase it's an aston martin transformer for some fucking reason like it's driving around and suddenly it's armor plated and the steering wheel is changing places inside of it and it's like why are you doing this can't it just be a car they get on a jet that has the logo of their secret society embroidered into the back of the headrests and on the exterior of the thing. And it's like, why is everything branded? There's a lot of cool stuff in this show or in this movie. Unfortunately, the movie overall just does not work. I'm not like I'm not going to suggest that we all go and watch it and talk about it. I'm just bringing it up here towards the end of a podcast as a footnote. Just go. There's a good cast in it. There's some fun action. Oddly enough, watching the opening scene, because it deals with reincarnation, we meet the guy that Mark Wahlberg was before it was Mark Wahlberg. And I want to watch that guy in the movie. Like, for some reason, Mark Wahlberg's big fucking head just annoyed me for the rest of the film. And every time it flashed back to that guy, I'm like, this guy's a cool guy. I liked that guy and who didn't really give a shit about Mark Wahlberg. Um, Jason Manzoukas was very funny. I enjoy a good Manzoukas appearance. Appearance. I'm trying to justify the rest of this topic. Um, would you Would you recommend the movie? Not if you had to pay for it. Marks out of ten. Five. There's there's just there's just stuff in it like, like we go very quickly from you know like he's he's mentally ill, which is just he's remembering his past lives and dealing with the fact that he's impoverished and trying to get a job in this position. To somehow he has a forge and is making a katana from scratch, and Mark Wahlberg, like, yeah, and it's like cool. That just comes out. Of, he goes from sitting in what looks like a sort of London suburb apartment type of thing, you know, sort of these sort of apartment blocks. I don't know where they shot the thing, um, but he goes from like sitting in his bedroom in there to his forge. Yeah, I know. Um, to his forge <laughs> makes a katana and goes to sell it in exchange for some antipsychotic drugs and it's like this is a weird fucking dot connect like it's cool if he I makes a sword and has the memory to do it make yourself a katana yeah. buy some antipsychotics see if I can shop it around London buy some antipsychotics <laughs> <laughs> um, so infinite 
I mean, if you've got time to kill, it's worth a look. Um, but the Barbican, that was fun. That was another fun thing I did. Walked around the Barbican. What's the Barbican? It's a big old dirty building. Nothing to do with food? I mean, they sell food there. It's not a barbecue, no. Okay. No. no I know okay. that's where your brain went. Yes. Also, question. If if you couldn't sleep, you just couldn't sleep, people couldn't sleep anymore. Do you think you'd just be like, you just kind of get into a state where you're lying down and you're meditating and you're, like, you're relaxed enough with that? Or do you think you'd go crazy? No, you'd die. You'd die eventually with no sleep? 100%. You couldn't just like close your, your, your eyes. Your brain shuts down. It, it yeah. needs the. You'd it lose needs your mind. Recovery. Your brain would eat itself. Yeah. How many? Eat itself. Yeah. How many? How many days? How many days? Uh, my record was three. I don't recommend it. Don't do more than three. Three days, no yeah. sleep. You will trip balls properly. I'm not going to it's do it. It's fucking terrifying. Um. Yeah, don't do, do more it. than three days. Definitely, you will die no. after fifty potentially. So don't, don't even, don't even try for it. Don't do it. I watched a movie where that was a premise, but I thought it'd last longer no. if you could just chill. No, you can't even like go into deep meditative no. states and just chill. There's, there's a congenital insomnia you can get where you will sleep less and less and less and less and less, and they can't cure it, and you'll die. Sorry, Ian. No, it's okay. It's just like I'm, I'm marveling at the way that this has wandered unstructuredly into this topic i love sleep love talking about sleep we don't even understand sleep we know nothing the, about the sleep. we know very we know very little about sleep we do know that like in the wild animals that there are animals that just do not sleep but what happens is that the various hemispheres of their brains go into an essentially low power mode so that you know like a shark is swimming in the left uh, lobe or the left side of the brain is functioning while it's right side is in low power and the left side so it sort of alternates in order to get that recovery that it needs and then there is a connection around uh, rodent style animals that started burrowing and developing a sort of safe haven or a den where they could feel safe and for the first time just completely shut down and go into sleep so that's some of the sort of evolutionary theory that I remember learning from David Attenborough style shows over the years about the concept of sleep and why we do that as opposed to animals that you just see walking around for fucking ever or being animals that are in such a heightened state that they can be asleep just up immediately again you know like um it's just like low power mode but we have wandered off the endless stream we are now a variant that needs to be trimmed by the tv aiden and oh try and bring us back to uh it's not bad right um i i watched iron man 3 you watched Iron Man three, so you're still doing yes. your rewatch of the Marvel films, yes. yeah? Yeah. How did you find Iron Man three on? Like, you mentioned recently that you had only seen Avengers twice in the cinema, once at home, maybe. You know, like you had maybe, seen yeah, home, so. yeah. Iron Man three, I only saw once in the cinema, right? Um, and this is my second time watching it. I actually really enjoyed it second time round. It does suffer a lot in the final scenes and all that kind of stuff. It's very frustrating watching it after the first Avengers movie when you're starved for more Iron Man and you watch it and you go, what is this shit? But if you watch it as a buddy cop movie and just ignore the fact that it's supposed to be Iron Man, it's fun. Ben Kingsley is hilarious in it. He's so good. 
it also does a lot to serve that it's not like it's like kind of like I couldn't get into Iron Man suit probably because of the excess excess amount of uh, skin I have around my waist by skin I don't mean I have an excess amount of overflowing hanging skin I'm trying to imply I'm I'm catching it I'm, I'm, I have a few extra pounds um, just a few um, not too many I'm, I'm, I'm content Kevin you're looking um, a bit like Ben Kingsley actually <laughs> yeah I realised that the other day I did realise that the other day that's not a great look um, I'm, and, and we're talking about Mandarin Ben Kinsey not Gandhi Ben Kinsey because I do not look like that that's what was sure. his name was it Trevor Trevor Slattery it Trevor Slattery Trevor Slattery but then um, I was going to say though I watched it I actually really enjoyed it it, it does when, you know kind of when Guy Pierce's character breathes fire it's just like why who what adult what adult decided he we should breed fire that that would be cool people would like that no anything that's not a dragon or a robot and breathes fire is stupid disagree so did you you enjoyed it on rewatch <laughs> yes the third Emer act hate, though was a problem for you Emer hates Iron Man though she hates him hates him she Still. thinks he's the most obnoxious most selfish most awful person in the world when he's like she, he was just like uh, say the Pepper Potts in the movie oh I, everything I do I do for you if I lose you if I can't take care of you I have nothing all of this is for you and Emer was coming around going like if that's true he's a really nice guy yeah. but then he's like kind of you know Mandarin shoots or Mandarin does whatever and then he's like kind of like I, I decided you're dead buddy this isn't revenge or this isn't a mission this is pain or revenge I'm, coming, I'm just coming to collect the body back you're already dead and then he gives him his dress Emer was like oh well like that's a really selfish thing to do and it is of course it is you know and then he has to deal with the consequences of that and he almost gets Pepper Emer, killed Emer is riding the roller coaster of Tony's personality and the, yeah. the, the changes that he goes on so like Let's see how she handles, you know, Civil War and Infinity War and where where Tony ends up, you know. The relationship he gets with Spider-Man in particular. Like, that's... Do they... Now I'm just connecting the dot. Is, is that sort of father figure role what sort of precedes the sort of desire to have the kids with Pepper yes. that we see in Infinity War? Yes. I never connected that dot. I'm very slow. <laughs> Turns out House is a parallel for Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, how did you not catch that one? I finished watching I finished watching season eight of House and there's like a retrospective episode and they literally put a title card on screen called <clears throat> House MD versus Sherlock Holmes and they talk about it and I'm like, the fuck did I how did I not see this? <laughs> Especially the Wilson Watson thing. I mean it's right there. Right there, buddy. His address is Baker Street. It's right there. Oh, you got that, there in the uh, end, though. Is that? <laughs> I've never seen it, so. I, it took seeing a promo shot for Elementary and going, that just looks like a promo shot for House. And you then going, well, House is very much Sherlock Holmes. And I went, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> so you, you're, you're working your way through the Marvel movies. Iron Man, what was your... Yes summation on that third act problems um yes better second time around for sure cool uh and no one wants to see anybody breathing fire i hate it as uh you know marvel Uh iron man movie uh as a buddy cop movie it's fun i i love i i often quote 
Slattery's uh, I panicked, but then I handled it. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love that. He is actually excellent in it, to be honest. There's a lot, like, that's the thing, though. Second time watching it, there's a lot more I really like. There's it, lots of know? good stuff in there. It's, it's just, just it, it just sucks as a fucking Iron Man movie. And uh, it's just it's just frustrating. What do you think of the Shane Black of it all? You know, like there's definitely no, the, an association was... that Robert Downey did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with him, and like he he vouched for Shane Black. I think directing that movie, you know, he kind of helped and lobbied him um, because I think there was a suggestion that Shane Black pushed for Robert Downey Jr. when he was at a low point in his career. Absolutely. I don't know what happened in terms of that movie. Maybe it was off the back of Avengers and they were a little bit freaked and everybody was a little bit freaked because not a great Marvel movie. Uh, Iron Man movie, not, a great, not, not not the best Iron Man movie, but what I was going to say, it's 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 not Shane Black's best movie and Shane Black is the director I absolutely love and I think it was more of a case of like, uh, it was like, what was what, what, what's the follow-up ever going to be This is enough, the thing that you know? we keep forgetting. Like my first girlfriend. About about the winter soldier is that it was the first solo movie that really set a tone and a path for everything that was to come and it really said you know we can they can be genre films within the marvel universe it can be a spy thriller kind of thing within the marvel universe still have that connective tissue but still be its own thing fantastically and that's what iron man 3 like i remember shane black talking about his idea for iron man 3 being this techno thriller on an international scale i was like that sounds amazing and what I pictured in my head is what the Winter Soldier ended up being. But that's what I pictured for Iron Man 3. And it's not that at all. Because they were still figuring so much of it out. They, they did a couple of solo movies. We only, we'd only had one Cap movie. And then like there's two Iron Man movies, two Thor movies. They don't really work. Like I said, Iron Man, the first one, when I rewatched it, you know, a year or two later after you know loving it in the cinema it's quite weak from the second act onwards they still hadn't figured any of it out the fact that avengers is as good as it is we've still kind of forgotten because there was still a question of how are they going to do all this like well and they did it beyond well and then it was like okay it felt like oh they know where they're going here with this and then iron man 3 came out and it's like they still don't know what they're doing with with these going forward they really don't have a clue they're they're winging it they, they know what they're shooting for, but they don't know how to do it yet. And that's what Iron Man 3 is. And Winter Soldier was the first time where it felt like, okay, there's there's a stronger sense of how to proceed with these, how to do something different with them, but you know, still have them be in this universe. Um, that was the first time we saw them do that. And that's something that Winter Soldier doesn't it, get enough credit for. It's realizing the sort of concept that people have said where, you know, comic book movie isn't a genre you know comic books are a medium in which every genre it's like calling exists. book adaptations a, a genre you know it's like calling harry potter a genre it's not <laughs> so i mean a comic book movie can be any genre which is cool and it does leave room for you know loki to be a serial killer show 
Well, I think that is... I mean, I have a bunch of other things on my list, but like, I don't think they're really worth talking uh, about no, too much. Um, <laughs> He's useless to us now. <laughs> yes. Been talking about food for two fucking hours, let's be real here. I had to get him no. back from Masters of the Universe from pizza. Mm. He, he wandered again so he's um, been hungry for a while to be fair to him god bless him oh yeah I was going to say <laughs> we should eat we should eat pizza the next time we do the podcast but no nope. people time, don't like eating on microphones <laughs> yeah they don't like eating on microphones but we can just mute our microphones much of my editing process is um, stopping us sniffling into the microphone I'm the same as well I, like, I scratch my beard I'm alright I whisper things to Aiden so he hears me you whisper During things the edit. yeah that's it like he says things like that and I just like I don't hear it because I'm talking but I know that I've got a little like easter egg to find once I start just <laughs> listening to him solely um, in the edit um, just to run down quickly I, through I, the remaining things on my list Battlefield 6 there's some trailer and some gameplay stuff if you like Battlefield games those should be fun um, I will no doubt dig into that Big destructive world, lots of vehicles, lots of explosions. Evil Dead video game. Um, I mean, it looks cool, but like, I guess I'm still unsure what's cutscene, what's gameplay. There's no UI in the footage I've seen, so I'm very curious how the game plays. But it does seem like you can play as hero or deadite. Kevin Harris looks serious. Um, Elden Ring put up some footage. That's more a scruff thing, so maybe he can tell us a little bit about Elden Ring. Brief overview: uh, it, it's some, it's it's a collaboration in some way between the Miyazaki who makes the Dark Souls games and George R. R. Martin. So they've they've collaborated on it in some way. I, I believe Martin wrote the lore for the game, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, it looks very much to me like Dark Souls 4, which is a good thing, but um, until we see more of how it plays out, the key difference is being that it's an open world, I think, instead of a, a series of connected um, maps and kind of hubs and things like that. It's open world, and you can ride a, a horse it's not a horse but it's you've got a, a mount basically those are the two major differences other than that it looks just like dark souls 4 which is fine i mean I, i'll probably end up loving it but until i know more about how un, until i know more about how it's actually different from the dark souls games then it just looks like dark souls 4 which is no bad thing but yeah cool we'll, we'll wait and see looks cool um then, I guess just in terms of next week, I have uh, Streets of Fire to finally watch, and In the Heights is out, so I'm going to have a look at those things. We've got Loki um, on deck, and we'll keep watching Modoc. Is there anything else coming this week that you guys are excited about? Maybe I read some Moon Knight. That'd be nice. <laughs> you could tell us about it. 